Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. It's Jazz Day today. Jazz play at 11 a.m., although they're going to do it without uh, most of their starters. Maybe Joe Ingles will play. Maybe he'll play. Um, But it's clear they're going to rest guys against the Spurs, and they are going to try and put the starters out there against the Nuggets on the second game of the back-to-back. They're going to try and win that, maybe give themselves a little bit of confidence. And in the process, you know, if they... Lose to the Nuggets, well, then the Nuggets would grab a hold of third and the Jazz will drop to six and they'll play them. And if they beat the Nuggets, then maybe Houston will get to third because Houston beat the Lakers. Uh, and the Jazz would be in the 4 5 with the Nuggets. I think the Jazz are trying to play the Nuggets and avoid the Rockets. And I don't think I'm the only one who thinks that. We'll talk about that later this morning. We got to talk PGA Championship right now. Uh, Bob Casper and uh, PK and I. Uh, did our draft yesterday, and you should know that Brooks Kepka is one shot off the lead. And Webb Simpson's one shot over par. And nobody took Jason Day. And all of that will mean a lot more to you when you listen to us talk about the top golfers, the guys we like, and draft them. Here we are on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. All right, well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to draft it. We're going to draft it already, huh? Yeah, who's who's going first, PK? This is PK. PK really wanted to do this. I go third, and I think we let the expert go first. All right. <laughs> Bob, you want to go, go ahead first, and draft huh? draft Tiger and move this thing along? No, I'm going to pick Justin Thomas. <laughs> Yak and I were discussing oh, this. The hot one. Yak and I were discussing who's going first. <laughs> uh, no doubt in my mind. There it He's is. First round draft pick, yes. Because I think we know why, but go ahead and spell it out for the folks. Well, he's playing some phenomenal golf this year. Um, he's number one in FedEx Cup, FedEx Cup points. Um, yeah, he's just he's just playing great golf and coming off a win last week in the WGC. So I just think he's got um, I think he's got a great opportunity to win his second PGA Championship this week. All right. Okay, and I wanted to go three rounds like we did. But before you go, DJ, I want to ask Bob, do you think anybody is the obvious favorite? Obviously, you go with JT, but do you think that he is the obvious favorite? Well, you know, it's it's pretty interesting in the game of golf right now. There's a lot of parity. You've got John Rahm, who is number one in the world. You've got Dustin, uh, Justin Rose, or not Justin Rose, but Justin Thomas. Um, you've got uh, Brooks Kepka. Uh, who's coming off back-to-back PGA Championship wins? So this could be three for him. Um, there's just there's just a lot going on in golf right now, and a lot of guys that can win. So yeah, I wouldn't say there's one that's that's like Tiger Woods of the past that is the pick that that everybody picks every time. Yeah. Okay. So. <clears throat> Playing the odds and not expecting, I'm I'm really tempted to pick Brooks, but I just don't expect anybody to win a major three times in a row. Stuff goes wrong, so I'll go with John Rom. He's the world's number one. Don't be an idiot. Don't overlook the obvious. I'll take Rom. Okay, it's a good, it's a great you, you pick. Can't take Rom. Great pick. I get. I get six captain's picks, and there's six Sun Devils who are in the field, so I get them all. You want all the Sun Devils? (laughs) I get Xander Shoffley because he's an Aztec. (laughs) All right, you got Rom, yeah. I mean, he's a bomber. He seems like he's going to at least be in contention at some point, whether it's uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We'll see about Sunday. I'm going to go with somebody. He's been right in the middle of it. Yeah. 
So. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like his time is – He. I said this the other day. See if you agree with this, Bob. We were talking about this uh, guys who remind you of Dustin Johnson, and I was saying Finau and Rom right now remind me of where Dustin Johnson was. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Um, and, and Dustin, you know, really um, – stood it on its ear when he became a better putter and a better wedge player. So, um, you know, those are, those are some things that Tony needs to become a better putter. Um, and, um, you know, John Rahm went to number one in the world after he won at Muirfield at Jack's event, um, but was only able to stay there for a couple of weeks. I'm going to go with a little out-of-the-box pick. I'm going to go Patrick Reed. You're going to go Patrick Reed, huh? Yeah. Wow, that's that is a definite out of the box pick. So do you get another pick and then we come back the other way? And then we come back the other oh, way or is it no. my pick again? No, 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 no. no. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go last every time. <laughs> okay. Because okay. as you know, Bob, I mean I mean you can relate to this very well. You're a scriptorian because come Sunday, the last shall be first. <laughs> there you go. Okay. <laughs> so it's my turn. I've already picked Justin Thomas, huh? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with a a uh, former Cal Bear um, golfer, guy that understands the area Colin. and understands playing there. I'm going to say Colin Morikawa. Yeah. Interesting. You're figuring a little local knowledge worked in there? Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, he, and and he's played some from. He's only missed one cut in his PGA Tour career, and um, one earlier this year, lost in the playoff. Um, so, the guy that's the guy that's young. He's only been on tour for. I think he's only got twenty five or twenty six starts, and he's already won twice. So, um, he's twenty two years old, isn't he? Yep, he's young. He's young. He's a good player. So I'm going to say Colin Morikawa. I'm surprised you didn't wait for the third round and figure he'd still be available. I thought you'd take he a bigger name and been. then have a dark horse pick in the in the third and final round. Yeah, he probably would have been, but I'm taking him. That's interesting. All right. Uh, well, forget all the talk about odds then and just give me Kepka because I don't know what it is, but he just turns it on for majors. So I like it. It's a good pick. Really? Like, you expect a guy does. to win a same major three times in a row, though? I mean, You know, um, I wouldn't put it past him. He flies under the radar. Um, every, every time he tees it up in the major, everybody looks other than him. And here, you know, he finished second last week to Justin Thomas. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays well again this week. All right, I'm going to go with a big name whose rep – Slipped a little bit, but uh, if he wins, I don't think anybody's going to be shocked, and that's Rory. Of course you're going to go with Rory. Honestly, I thought Bob was going to pick either Rory or Kepka because it was getting late for big names, and I was just going to take the other one. I was stunned. You threw me a curveball, Bob. <laughs> I had to make you a choice. You threw a curveball with Colin Morco. Yeah, because I, I figured you'd take one of the big names, and then you'd have a dark horse in the third round. Yeah. I mean, that's what I was thinking before you came on the air. You know, how's Bob going to pick? Yeah. So. yeah, I just, I, you know, I, I came out of the, I came out of left field, didn't I? You did. Yeah. And it's your, <laughs> it's your pick again now. So who you got? Well, I was going to say that Rory's won on this golf course. 
So he won the match play on this golf course. So um, this is this is this is a good place for him. You know, I really want to I really want to say Tiger Woods because Tiger's won here um, in Amex, and he was five and zero in the Presidents Cup. Um, and but I'm, I'm just unsure about the cold weather and his back and that kind of thing. So I'm not going to yeah. I'm not going to big Tiger. Um, I. Uh, I'm going to go with the Utah sentimental favorite with Tony Finau because I think he's got Tony. He's got, Tony. Uh, yeah, he's got um, <laughs> I, I, with his good play as of late. Um, I think I think he, it's time for him to to get over the hump and and Tony um, win another golf tournament, let alone a major championship. Be awesome. Okay, <clears throat> so. You know, the big names at the top, and I'm thinking, who's my dark horse at the end? And and Yach's a big golfer, and I want him to have a voice in this, and I'm going to be totally honest with you, Yach. As soon as I said, Yach, give me a dark horse, I thought, he's going to give me something just way out there, and then I'm going to feel like I have to do it, and I don't want to. But then he blurted out Webb Simpson, and tell him why. You gave me the yep. why. Well, yep. Webb's won twice this year. He chased down Tony Finau down there at the yep. at the waste management. He also won one other time. And he's been playing just extremely well all year long. And so I was gonna. As soon as I asked, I like. I wish I hadn't asked because I'm probably gonna want to blow it off. And then you pitched it and you sold it so much. I'm in Webb. Okay. And the other thing about Webb Simpson is he won the U.S. Open at Olympic Club, which is just across mm-hmm. Lake Merced, like a mile away. So uh, Webb is a great pick. Webb is a great pick. But? <laughs> Come on, it's you, Comma. TK. <laughs> so who do you got? Who do you got, TK? Do, do, go do I go to my default? Because I don't know if you remember, Bob, but through the mid-portion uh, of this last decade, DJ remembers when we would mm-hmm. have you on, I would go with Dustin Johnson every single time. I figured the guy's got too much talent. He's got to do it at some point. So... Yeah. Do I go there, or do I go somebody a little off the beaten path, like uh, Rich Beam? No, of course I wouldn't go Rich Beam. I'm just kidding. <laughs> How about Zach Johnson? I mean, Zach J. Johnson from Utah. Uh, that's that's definitely off. Either either CJ would there. be. Yeah. Um, I'm, I think I'm going to go with uh, – Sort of a, a blast from the past, even though it's not that far from the past, but it's still from the past in terms of where he was with his game. I'm going to go Bubba Watson. Ooh, that's an okay pick. That's a good pick. Bob, you're so nice. Would you tell any of us that that pick sucked? Yes. <laughs> you would not, Bob. You would if not. I said Rich Beam, he would. Okay, yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah. So I, you know, this is it's going to be interesting because um, uh, Phil Nicholson's uh, former caddy Bones, um, he caddied for Justin Thomas last week. He's on the bag again this week. Um, but he said that with the weather and the breeze and the dampness and everything, the golf course is going to play almost eight percent longer than what the yardage is. So guys are going to have to adjust to that, which means to me. The guys that hit it long are the guys that are going to that are going to have um, a really good opportunity to win this week. And so, um, the the guys that hit it shorter, they're going to struggle. 
um, the guys that hit it longer, they're going to be able to take a little bit better advantage of golf course. And yet, with that in mind, none of us went with Hercules DeChambeau. No. Mm-mm. You know what? Why the, not? The, the caddy on our show has a new name for him. Instead of Bryson, it's Bison. Bison DeChambeau. <laughs> He's so big and burly. <laughs> uh, no, we didn't. No, we didn't. You know, he he came out of the he came out of the COVID um, break, um, just firing on all cylinders. Um, he's kind of backed off a little bit, and uh, and he's you know he's he struggled with with his play as of the last couple of weeks. So um, yeah, I I don't know I don't know how this golf course is going to set up for him. And, um, you know, he's a guy that just likes to, to bomb it and bash it as, as hard as he can. He's kind of changing the landscape of golf right now as far as in his mind. So it'll be interesting to see what he does this week. But, no, I didn't, I, I didn't want to pick him. All right, there's a little PGA Championship for you. And when we come back, Craig Bowlerjack, Joe Ingles, the rest of this hour, all about the jazz. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. All right, the question for the Jazz how much in Game 4 are they starting to figure things out and they're going to make a bunch of three-pointers? And how much of it is just the quality of the opposition? You know, they played four games, and the two teams that are better, they lost to. The two teams who you'd have to rank three and four, well, they beat them. That's something we try to sort out with Craig Bowlerjack. Here's PK and I with Bowler. Craig Bowlerjack's weekly interview is presented by University of Utah Health, trusted healthcare provider for the Utah Jazz family and yours. Bowler, good morning. Hello, DJ PK. How are you? Good. Bowler, I know the Jazz made 40% of their three-pointers, and we're all waiting for that to happen because they'd been shooting 38%, and they just couldn't keep shooting in the mid-20s. They were going to have to go in. But were you surprised they took 45, or that's the direction they've been getting pushed, and they were going in, so naturally they took them, right? I mean, if you're making them, you're going to keep taking them. Yeah, I think Quinn Snyder wants that number to be in the 40s-plus. I think with Bogdanovich out, that's how they're going to make up those 20 points, and Bogey was a 41% shooter from outside. So, yeah, I think uh, it's an amazing thing, the three-point shot in this league and how it can cure – Uh, or at least for a night, it can cure some concerns. But uh, the energy that it brings, too, it's it's an amazing thing. And, you know, as as we know, in those first three games, it it spread throughout the entire team, the inability to make the three. But you had six players that had at least one three-point shot made last night, and you had six players in double figures, and you shoot 40%. I mean, the three balls an amazing thing in this league. So how does Joe go from only 11 shot attempts in the two prior games to 13 shot attempts? He'll just tell you, well, it was there, so I took it. Seems to me like there's got to be more than that. I want you to drill him on that today, okay? I mean, I, I think that's the big question as he felt. He looked so comfortable, PK. 
in the sense of his game, the flow. Uh, he he had he's had open looks uh, throughout uh, the time in the bubble, but in the three games prior, you know, the Jazz shot twenty seven percent, and Joe had taken only 11 three-pointers. And then, as you mentioned, he just opens up last night. I don't know if that was from behind the scenes with discussions from Quinn to say, Joe, look, uh, we need something. You know, don't be – and Joe Joe will tell you, look, I'll take you, – you're right. He, he's, a, he's an unselfish player. He probably is the best uh, assist man to go bear. He averages five-plus assists a game, and he – you know, he, he's a very much that team guy. But I think it's time where you have to, you know, find another player who's going to take more high-volume shots. And, and Joe last night decided to open them up. Plus, when you hit that first one, uh, the rest of them look a little easy. You know, and it, it's kind of the way it looked last night to me. And he, he looked really comfortable playing. And also you got a nice punch from Conley and even maybe some, some, some surprise points from Royce O'Neal as well. So, how much, uh, I don't even know how to phrase this, but how much uh, trust is there between Quinn and Joe? How hard do they go at each other when one guy wants one thing and one guy wants another? Is it a case where you don't? they know each other well enough, you just don't need many words? Even a look from Quinn could make Joe start launching threes? How, how yeah. does that work? You know, I tell you, from watching them for hours in practice and shoot-arounds, I think they have a really good relationship. And I think it's gotten to the point now where they've been together as coach-player relationship long enough that uh, a look, signal, a quick discussion. Quinn is a guy that you know is very open to fresh ideas, new approaches, and I'm sure that Joe and and, – you know, coach decided, let's let's go this way. I mean, Quinn Quinn knew that somebody had to you know break out sooner than later, as he said last night. This team didn't forget. That's been well used, by the way. But you know, they're number one on catch and shoots, and that's what Joe does. He's he's got a quick release. He likes to sit up in the corner. And last night, he just looked in, incredibly comfortable. But uh, again, I, I think they probably discussed it. I really do. Joe, look, we love you, you know, trying to facilitate some passes, but if the shot's there, take it. And last night, great outcome. So do we read into anything, the two teams they should beat, they did, and the two teams that are tougher, they lost? Yeah, that's a good point, PK. Um you know, don't forget, too, they had to come from 16 down, right, to win by two against the Pelicans. And then OKC was just a very fast physical team, defended them extremely well on the perimeter. And the Lakers, I thought you saw the Jazz begin to wake up and, and get their defensive schemes back against L.A. But the biggest issue still has been turnovers. Uh, there was too many early last night, but then things settled down in the second half. But against the Lakers, if you could take – you know, five or six of those turnovers away, uh, maybe it's a different outcome. But, you know, you give somebody like the Lakers 29 points off 21 turnovers, that's going to be a big issue. And last night, it kind of stung them again, but all of a sudden they righted the ship and, and they look like who they were prior to the shutdown. Those 13 games or so before March 11th, the Jazz were playing some pretty good basketball, uh, especially Conley and Donovan. So, 
maybe it's taken that much time, PK, to to figure it out and get get things back on track. But I think, you know, we got two back to back games. The Jazz play San Antonio, you know, during uh, a brunch tomorrow at eleven, and then you play Denver. Those two games are going to be pretty telling because the Spurs are scrappy, trying to find an eighth spot in the playoffs, and you know how Popovich approaches games. Uh, he's got a run of what twenty three consecutive years, I believe, in the playoffs, and that could be um, that could snap uh, in Orlando. And then Denver is the team the Jazz were chasing, and if they fall to six, that would be most likely the team they could they would see in the first round, the Denver Nuggets. So maybe we'll get better answers of the consistency. Uh, this weekend when they go back-to-back. So that was basically as well as the Jazz could shoot the ball. Uh, maybe you could, you know, Donovan Mitchell could shoot it a little better. He was 7 of 18. And then the other guy who maybe could shoot a little better is Niang. But mm-hmm. he, and he did have games earlier this year where he shot it pretty well. That was why he was on the court. But it isn't working in the bubble. Do you have any answers for that other than keep launching and they got to go in eventually? I think that's the only that's the only thing. I said last night that when you talk to the Kyle Corbers of the world and the, the Jeff Hornacek's, you always ask, do you ever – doubt yourself and he goes and both have always said no you cannot it's 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 a uh, you know that that's an interesting talent to have and i bet you joe would tell you the same thing is that you may if you start doubting yourself then it becomes even a bigger issue I remember corver said a couple of times there there are streaks of highs and lows and so you just try to play in the middle of it and um that makes sense you know if you start to you know, I tell you, the, the, the mind is is an interesting thing. It could be a friend or an enemy. But in sports, I mean, my point is, in sports, the mental side of it is a, one of the most important because you have a, most everybody's got the physical ability to be there, right, or they wouldn't be. But it's the mental side. And if, you, if you're a three-point specialist, much like what Korver uh, was uh, and always has been, and Hornacek, who always was looking to hit a three, I'd love to see him play in this in this league today because he'd have the green light and play set up for him 24-7. Uh, and he had to work for him, as we all know, in the Jerry Sloan system. But uh, always they always said, look, it comes and goes, and you just have to keep shooting the ball. And for George Niang, I think you just got to shoot it. And his attitude, I've talked to him a couple of times via text from the bubble, and I think he still is positive. And I don't think he feels like he's lost his ability to hit that shot either. Um, maybe pressing. But you just got to relax. And, you know, you got saw one go down last night, right? Clarkson seemed to be a little calmer in his approach last night, too. Uh, but still, 14 shots, you get 14 points. You like to see a little better efficiency there. But I, I think still the key is the Jazz get more punch off the bench. And, um, you know, that, that maybe is coming. Maybe that's coming. How's it been doing the broadcast uh, remotely for you? PK, it's it's interesting. It's uh, you know, I love the crowds. Um, it's it's a challenge, but it's one you got to take on. Uh, each game's different. Uh, I thought last night, you know, we got off. The second half was better, and I think it's dictated too by the way the Jazz play. When you win, it's much easier to broadcast. When you find yourself trailing or turning the ball over or having you know multiple free throws. Uh, like we've had in the bubble. I think a lot of teams would tell you the same thing. There's been a lot of whistles um, in Orlando. Uh, but it's it's been an amazing experience. And, 
you know, but I, if you had to, you know, pin me uh, up against the wall and say, what do you want to do? I'd rather be in a crowd in an arena. I hope that happens and we return to that one day. I uh, love to see the fans return, and I just hope it happens sooner than later. But what we have is what it is, and that's what you have to learn to do. I've had to adjust like everybody. And so working with Matt from his home in Atlanta, there's a delay. Sometimes we step on each other, but we're working through it. Thurl is, you know, 15 feet down the row from me. Uh, KK's on the other side of the building, so and Alema's up on the fifth floor. So, you know, we don't really have that much ability to – uh, to uh, play off one another, Thurl and I look at each other. But you know, when you when you work together like you do with an analyst, you're usually bumping and looking, you know, in each other's face and discussing things. But uh, it's long distance communication is the way I look at it. And you know, it's my job just to try to bring the energy. And when the Jazz play well, it helps. But uh, it's good to see some virtual fans. At least Bear was up there last night. I saw KK up there last night. So. You know, saw some faces that we see in the arena, but it's still it's still not the same. But we're doing the best we can. So, do you change routine and call the other teams broadcasters in that? Because one of the big advantages of being in the arena is I don't think people realize how much earlier broadcasters arrive and you have time to talk to people and inevitably you hear stuff and you don't always hear stuff about the game that night. Sometimes you hear stuff that helps you a week down the road. That's a great point. Uh, we've made a few calls, um, but at the same time, I tell you, we have been so busy with our own broadcasts with multiple Zoom calls. I can't even tell you. The league has had us on multiple calls as well. I've learned a lot on how they were setting this thing up, and with Travis and Jeremy Bruner, our director, producer, um, you know, I, I, I tip my hat to them, too. Uh, we've shared a lot of information. A lot of people have shared information just on Zoom talks or, you know, with with text messages or emails. Uh, I think everybody's been so, you know, so busy with their own with their own broadcasts. We haven't had a chance to share a lot. We have. I have. But not as much as I would do uh, talking like Sean Elliott with San Antonio. That guy is a, is a great guy. And he just. Uh, I'm not saying he spills the beans, but he gives us great insight on what's going on with Pops and the Spurs. He knows that franchise so well. And, you know, uh, it's uh, it, it, that's what I miss, too, is, like you said, DJ, is having that 10 or 15 minutes of insight that you get uh, to, to go in out of the league uh, has allowed us to, you know, be zoomed in on the opponent coaches, uh, which is available. So that's helped. Uh, to get a nugget or two, and then you get some game notes. Not as much as you would as you uh, in a regular type season, but I just try to piece it all together and come up with a uh, with the best you know game plan we can. And if Joe hits threes, then you know everything's better. Everything's good in the world when Joe hits threes. You know, and I mean that. I think that there is a calming sense for even the team. I mean, I know there's Donovan and there's Rudy, but Joe. There's something about Joe that brings, I think, a confidence, a calm. When he's on, the team seems to be like, you know, follow me. That, and, and Joe has that innate ability. I don't know if it's veteran leadership, his personality, as we all know it. Uh, he's a funny guy, but also a competitor. And uh, it's good to see a little uh, a little snarky look on his face sometimes. And, you know, he, he busts tail out there. 
And I'm, I'm glad to see him bust open last night. He didn't score in the first quarter, but from that point on, he just took off. And he just seemed to be in a, in a comfortable position. Maybe he just forgot it all. Um, you know, he's got two kids, and, a, and Renee's expecting. You know, life goes on, but... You know, you still he's he's a guy that's concerned about home. He's trying to figure things out in the bubble, play games, uh, be competitive, keep the Jazz in a good playoff position. So look, I know people say, "Oh yeah, yawn yawn," but still, all these things still come into play on how players are playing. I mean, I've learned that as you guys have in this league. We forget there's the personal side. They try to block it out when they're on the court, but sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but I think Joe looked as comfortable as he has in, uh, has in a long time last night. He's Craig Bullerjack. He joins us every week, and it's presented by University of Utah Health, trusted health care provider for the Utah Jazz family and yours with 16 neighborhood health centers. U of U Health has a game plan for your family's care. Visit uofuhealth.org slash jazz. Thanks, Buller. All right, guys. Tell Joe I just had a latte. I'm sure he's going to say I'm a whip because he probably goes with the hardcore stuff. But there you go. I'm trying to keep up with him. Right. Have a good one, guys. Thanks, Buller. All right. There's PK and I with Craig Bullerjack. Also late in yesterday's show, we talked with Joe Ingles, and we will hear from Joe next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. PK and I talked with Joe Ingles late in yesterday's show. 25 points, 6 of 11 from 3. What got into Joe? That was the topic throughout our conversation. Hey, yeah! This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush! And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bells! Yeah. Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show. <laughs> With DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Time to welcome in Joe Ingles. Joe, as always, brought to you by your hardworking friends at Mountainland Supply. For all your plumbing and irrigation needs, go to mountainlandsupply.com. Joe, good morning. Good morning. Joe, you are so good. I didn't even have to remind you. I didn't have to ask. I want a win before you come in. I want you to score a bunch of points because then everyone's happier. It's more fun. I didn't even mention it, and you made it happen. Good work, Joe. 25 points and a victory. Uh, I'm pretty sure every week I've come on this show I've been happy regardless of the result <laughs> or my game. <laughs> it's just easier not to have to ask you, how come this sucked or how come that sucked? I'm supposed to, hey. Well, we probably still sucked in a few things. Uh, <laughs> That's what... You can still ask those questions. <laughs> well, I am curious. We'll start with that. Um, you probably did suck at a few things, and Quinn will probably point that out when, when you watch uh, video. But I'm curious, oh, when, yeah, right? when he wants you to shoot more, and obviously you shot more in this game and you took 11 threes, does he 
I mean, does he really go after you sometimes to get you to shoot? Or have you known each other so long, he can just give you a look and it says it all? How does that work? Yeah, it's probably probably a little different with me than it might be with other guys or, or whatever. See, um, I've talked about our relationship on here before. Um, me and uh, Rudy are, are the only two guys that are here from that first year, like when he, when he first got the job. So obviously... Um, and even coaching staff, like there's only a couple of the, the coaching staff that have been here from from the very beginning, um, or whatever it was six years ago. So um, I've got a great relationship. Like there's times that he'll sit me down and, and show me film, and hey, you could have been aggressive here or look for your shot here. Um, we actually sat down the the last day off we had, so kind of two days ago, um, in between last night and the game before and he just kind of went through some scenarios where I could um, be better be more aggressive um, so you, you obviously think about all that and then um, there's other times that he just yells at you to shoot the ball <laughs> not, in a, not in a bad way but, but that's what he wants us to do he knows he's got good shooters and he wants us to, to shoot them on the road So hear me out before you comment. So the ball game uh, is in the middle go. of the day, our time, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, won't say another even, word. I got like four words out and he jumps I'll, in. I won't say another word, go. <laughs> so this isn't on me. Uh, so I'm in the car for the first part of the game, so I'm listening to, on the radio, right, as opposed to watching it on television. And Locke is doing the game, obviously. And he Ugh. says in the first quarter that Joe Ingles looks cranky and frustrated, right? So then I get home, turn on the television, while watching the game, and on that the, the last three that you hit uh, on the, what was it, on the right side to get you to 25, it looked so good, and it was nothing but a swish, if I remember correctly. And I was telling my wife about how, uh, well, she heard Locke say that uh, you were cr- you look cranky and frustrated. And when you made that shot, she looks at me and says, well, I hope he's cranky and frustrated every game if this is the way he's going to play. So so were you cranky and frustrated? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say cranky. Um, I mean, I was, I've, I've been frustrated, yeah. Like, um, my job is to... And obviously, I have a lot of, of pride of, of what I do. And um, when you're not playing to the level that you, you think or, or know you can, um, it's frustrating. And you, um, I've, <laughs> I've talked to Renee a lot about it. Um, it. It's very different for me here, where, I, like, when, when we're at home or on the road or whatever, it is I've always got an outlet of, of Renee and the kids. Like I. I'll finish practice and as soon as I walk out those doors, it's the last thing on my mind. I'm trying to like race home to, to pick up Miller from school or to, to be with Jacob or to hang out with Renee and get coffee or whatever it is. And um, obviously for, for a, only a small time in my life, but for a, it seems like a, a lot bigger part, I've had that outlet and um, I haven't got that here. And so it gets frustrating. You're almost forced to to overthink things and like you finish practice and we walk back to our room and I mean there's obviously things we can do here but it's roasting hot out there we're playing every second day we're practicing on the days off or going to the gym not necessarily practicing um, 
Trey Lyles' three-hour practices, but we, we're doing stuff. We're walking through the, the scout or, or whatever it is. So you, you get it almost forces you to, to, to overthink and to think about it. And, and I think a lot of it for me was I play my best when I am having fun out there and I'm smiling and I'm not overthinking. I'm just kind of playing with the flow of the game and, and all that. And I, I think I was... I mean, what do we have? We had three weeks here before any kind of games or like two and a half weeks and a couple of pre-season or whatever you call them games. And then we, we obviously start the... The regular season, I think the frustration with just building and building because I knew, obviously, I knew I could play better and, and I wanted to play better, but I'd, I'd play bad and I'd come back to the room and think about it and watch a bit of the highlights or, my, or, or like film of the, of the game. And um, I was texting Renee the other day and it was like this time on two days ago and I was like, I just don't know what else to do. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm obviously trying. I, I want to win. I'm going to. Um, I just couldn't get in a, in a rhythm. I couldn't get in the flow. I didn't feel that kind of comfortable out there. And she was like, get up in the morning, go and watch like a comedy show or like something that you just would take your mind completely away from it. Sit there with a coffee, um, go to the game, put a podcast in or something. Just get away from it as much as you can, even though we're in a bubble. Um, and I did that. I got up, had breakfast. I uh, went for a little walk to the breakfast room, got some food by myself, and came back here and watched the show. That um, was completely irrelevant. <laughs> um, and then I listened to a podcast who, who is one of my favorite podcast guys of Daniel Ricciardo, our Aussie Formula One driver, and listened to that all the way up until coach was about to speak um, and I think it just took my mind away from overthinking of, of the playing bad and overthinking of I need to be more aggressive I need to shoot more I, I not necessarily need to score more but I need to play make and help my teams and um, yeah so you can thank Renee see the thank one. you Renee that's yeah. funny you say that because DJ, do you remember earlier in the week we had somebody on and I asked them about Jordan Clarkson and you're never getting away from this in the mm-hmm. bubble. You don't go home to anything. Remember when I said that? Yep, I, I, I don't do. remember who it was. I asked that about that, that it's got to be on this guy's mind constantly because they're never getting away from it. They're just going and back to a hotel and sitting there stewing about, over it. For sure. And if you think about, like, I mean, a lot of people know my situation with the kids and how much I want to be involved and be there and he, he he's got a daughter, um, but he's also he, he's anyone who follows him on social media. Whatever, like he's out there doing things he's with his friends. He's playing. At, he's at the beach. He's like where, whatever he's doing. He's hiking in the mountains in Utah. Like, and it, I think it'll be something that that a lot of players deal with as this goes on. Is it's like that snowball effect of like you don't want it to, to affect you or anything, but. You, you just you can't get away from it. We're on the same level, obviously our whole team. So you're, you're, we're always with our team. Which even though I think is we've got great guys and that. You walk downstairs, you see more basketball people. You walk to lunch, you see more basketball people. You go to a game, there's just basketball. Like you, like you said, like you did, there is no escape really. So I think finding something, um, which obviously I'm not just going to sit and watch TV shows all day every day because that's not the answer either. But for me, that like. 30 minutes before we got on the bus while I was having a coffee just to relax and I literally did not think about I can't remember who we played already Memphis I didn't think about the game or how I played for that two hours leading up to the game um, and maybe it was 
maybe it helps. Maybe it was just a fluke that I made some shots. Like, we'll never really know, but I can promise you I'm going to be watching the same exact show to the same minute <laughs> on tomorrow. So I'm I'm curious about multiple things here. One is the level of aggressiveness, you know, when to take a shot, when to pass. And you were definitely feeling it at the end of the game, but you took a deep three. And the, the defender did go under on the screen, right? So you had space. But there was 15 on the clock, Joe, and you were a good step and a half, two steps behind the three-point arc. A lot of times you would have passed on that shot. Hey, we got 15 seconds to get in the offense and get other people involved. But you just launch it. Was that because of what Quinn had said? Was that because you'd already made, I guess, five threes in the game? What what causes you to launch that shot? Because when you took it, I thought, wow, he's feeling it because he doesn't normally take that shot. Yeah, um, I, I think the main thing, regardless of, of kind of, of the situation of the game and all that, they were They'd switch their defense at that point, and they were—they call it red. So they were just switching every pick and roll, um, similar to kind of Houston or whatever. And that's why I think it was Kyle Anderson went to go underneath, and Valanciunas is still kind of further back than what he probably should have been. Um, but as we were walking off the court, I could hear the coach and I could hear the players like, "We're in red." And obviously, with our scout, we knew that was them switching, and it's a adjustment they do to try and whatever slow the game up drunk the game up and, and obviously I think we were up by whatever five, ten points, whatever it was at that time so um, I just thought <laughs> um, I've obviously hit some shots I, I felt good with the ball in my hands and um, I mean I've actually taken that shot a, a lot of times before just not, re- not recently um, and I just yeah, it, it felt good like I said they, they were in that switching defense and, and Kyle went under probably a little earlier than Maybe what he should have, but um, I was like, "Screw it! I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot it and see what happens." <laughs> I like I'll that live with the film Screw consequences. It. I'm shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, worry about that later. Well, you know, Joe, when you think about it, all of Jazz fandom wants to see you do well. DJ and PK wants to see you do well. Renee and the kids want to uh, see you do well. Also, too, we've got a national media member from the Associated Press named Tim Reynolds who wants to see you do well. Take a listen. I love Joe Ingles. I love Joe Ingles. I just, when that guy's on, he is so much fun to watch. He's a total X factor. You are loved, Joe. Thanks, Tim. (laughs) (sighs) You know who else loves you? And people, you catch people in moments when they really don't want to be caught. You've got a lot of PK in you, actually. You two have a lot in common. So I'm sitting there watching. I'm sitting there, right? I'm sitting there watching the game at halftime, and there's an assistant coach from Memphis who used to be with the Jazz, Brad Jones. And I know him a little bit. I don't know him real well, but I know him a little bit just from talking to him, uh, you know, in the hallway or whatever. You just see people, you know, a little, little bit. Right. Yes, he's a very easy guy to talk to, right? But I haven't, I haven't talked to him since he went to Memphis. And the TV camera catches and come off the court, and I know, I I know him well enough to know he's got a look on his face and like. Well, something's funny, but he doesn't want to admit or he can't be seen laughing, but he's got this little smirk on his face. And the camera's widening out, and as it widens out, what do I see? I see Joe Ingles leaning over, chirping in his ear, and he got one little last out of him before you veered off and went to your separate locker rooms. (laughs) What were you going after Brad about? No, so um, it wasn't actually Brad at all. Oh, really? uh, 
it was Taylor, the the head coach. Um, they where where were we in the ball right before the end of the end of the half or whatever it was. Uh, I'm, I'd have to double check. You guys might know, but if I'm going to inbound the ball from the sideline, and I say I'm trying to inbound it to the de- that deep corner, the same side that I'm inbounding it from, and the coach is standing there, if the ball hits the coach trying to get to, to Donovan, it's a technical foul. So I was trying to get the ball really quickly to throw it. Obviously, I wouldn't have thrown at him hard or anything, but to like skim his leg or something so that we could get a technical foul and free throws. And then we and then we still get the ball back as well. Um, I'm pretty sure it's a technical foul because I was going to do it in the Lakers game to, to Frank Vogel too because he was in the same position. Like it's obviously they're not thinking about where I'm inbounding it, but if I wanted to pass to that like deep corner, which we have some stuff that's for that, like I actually wouldn't be able to pass it to them because of where the coach stands. Um, they probably think they're out of the way because they're they, I don't know, they feel like they're out of the way, but and then I said. He, he said the, oh, the referee said something to Taylor Jenkins about like, "Hey, you got to move because of that." And then I was like, like joking around, like, "Yeah, get out of the way, otherwise I'm going to throw it into you, like, and get a technical foul." And then he started like chirping a little bit about something else. And then obviously knowing Jonesy, um, I just kind of like he, he could hear me that like he, he knew what my intentions were the whole time. Like I was just trying to get a cheap little extra point for our team, and so we were just kind of laughing at it. But then. Taylor Jenkins was like, I don't know if it was at me or anything of the situation, but it was like mumbling under his breath. And I was like, is he mad at me? Or is he talking like the referees? Is he mad at the referees for telling him to move? But I was trying to look at Taylor to see if he was talking to me or not. Um, and obviously Jonesy was, was, I think he was walking right next to him, so it probably looked like I was okay. talking or looking to him. But uh, yeah, I'd have to double check the rule because I've thought about it doing it twice now, but I don't actually, I don't actually know what happens if it does. But I think it is because... I remember previously, I think it was like Jason Kidd or someone when he was a head coach, like stepped on the court and the player ran into him or the ball hit him trying mm-hmm. to pass and he got a technical foul for him, I'm pretty sure. So it's just an easy way to get a point if you if everyone's switched on. So you need to definitely nail that down because that could be really useful at the end of a close game. I mean, yeah, Chris... Don't cut this part out of the radio show <laughs> so other teams don't know I'm doing it. Yeah. But if you think about like... I mean, I'm trying to get every advantage I possibly can, and uh, I need every advantage I possibly can. Um, but if you think about it, you're in a tight game in what part of the playoffs, game five, game seven, and our players to get Donovan, and I just go to throw it, and hits the coach on the arm. Like, obviously, you're never going to, I'm not going to throw it in anyone's face or anything, but like, if I'm trying to make a play and it hits him, it's pretty detrimental to your team depending on the, the situation of the game Chris Paul famously has gotten the Australians Chris Paul is famously he got a tech called on Carmelo once he got a tech called on somebody subbing in in a Minnesota game with, with an untucked yeah. jersey so you never know at the end of a close game when one point will get you to OT or keep you out of OT and get you the win yeah I mean there's, I mean Chris is probably a good example even with end of the first quarter and end of or end of every quarter that he's in the game, they run that play where they dribble it up the side and then they throw it to him and the big comes to set a big roll and he swipe, like sweeps through and gets a foul. He knows he's in the bonus and obviously him being a good player, people are up on him trying to trying to defend him and um, I think he got Jordan Clarkson in our game with it. It's just a... It's, and, and obviously I'm not anywhere probably near the level of him 
basketball IQ because he, he's probably probably up there in the top one or two in the league. But um, he he's trying to get it's like you said with that the, the untucked. You know, like he's trying to get any advantage he can, and if that's his banana boat friend uh, Camelo or whatever, like he, he doesn't care. <laughs> like he's trying to win the game. So um, as close as they are, they're, they're all trying to win. Well, Joe, thanks for having a big game, and thanks for getting a win before you came on the air. That's just my, just my plan. There you go. All right. Well, you know, Keep you, shooting, Joe. Yeah, right? <laughs> thanks, Coach. <laughs> 11, 11 threes. Do you know how many times this year you've taken 11 threes in the game? Uh, 68 games, probably six. Once at Miami. Oh. You were 7 for 12 <laughs> at Miami. It's the only time you've taken 11. This I had year. a good game then, too, didn't I? Oh yeah, you did. Yeah, you were you the were other, in the middle. The other of... thing too was, you know, a quick, real quick story before you. So I I had I shot four by three quarter time, and Johnny Bryant, who's one of our lead kind of lead assistants or whatever, I don't actually know any of the actual titles, but um, was like, hey, you've got you've got four up. You're like you need to get another four in this quarter. Like we want you to, you need to shoot. And I was like, that's why. The one I airboard, I think, when I shot over two guys, like all in my, the only thing in my mind was like, Johnny told me to shoot. I'm just going to shoot four threes. Like, I don't know how I'm going to get them up, but I'm going to get them up somehow. Uh, I ended up obviously getting a few more. Well, I don't even actually know how many I got in the last quarter, but um, yeah, I got enough. I made him happy. And it was his birthday overnight today, so I'm, it was for him. Hey, I, I know we're up against it here, but do you have a DVR in your hotel rooms? Did they hook you guys up with that so you can... What the hell is a DVR? Well, you can record shows on t- off TV when you're not watching, because... Oh, I've got my iPad, which is connected to our Xfinity account in Utah, so I can do it that way. Okay. Well, when you're looking for time, I thought of you, because <laughs> I'm Saturday night, I get home, and everyone goes to sleep, and I've been doing TV late, and I'm still wired, and I'm flipping around. AFL. Yes, and and the uh, the NRL, the National Rugby League, too. Yeah, I'm not a rugby fan or what. So I grew up in Adelaide, where we never the only one of the only states in Australia that didn't have a rugby team. So I never really watched it. We were a big AFL kind of family growing up. We we watched the team from Adelaide and whatever. So um, I, I've I've actually watched a couple. I've watched a couple of games since I've been here. There's we've had some late practices or, or late. We played that nine o'clock game the other day and. and get home at 12.30 and whatever so I've watched a couple since being here and um, it's good that they play I love that they play it on whatever it is ESPN2 or whatever the channel is yeah. but it's, it's cool for obviously for me but I think like you said like it's it's actually pretty interesting if you know a little bit of the rules just so you can kind of get your head around it it's a, it's a pretty cool sport to watch alright Joe thanks for coming on we appreciate it no worries at all have a good day There's Joe Ingles. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.